This week, the Magnificently Huge Podcast has a funky beat. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric are going to join me for an exploration of sample loops. Uh, originally I thought it was going to be a talk about the ubiquitous Amen break, which is the most sampled sample in music to uh, my knowledge. Uh, but it turns out I'm actually more interested in songs derived from James Brown's Funky Drummer. Uh, Funky Drummer was a... Well, here, this is it. Right? You know that. You've heard that. Yeah, you've heard that in everything. That's the sound of the late 80s and the early 90s. That's the beat. We're going to talk about how it got used, how it got uh, abused, how people got lazy and just stuck it on whatever. And uh, yeah, check out the show notes for when that conversation starts. Also this week, we've got a slightly spoilery discussion of the new The Suicide Squad from James Gunn. And we touch on a few other things as well, including a revisit of Jungle Cruise. So again, check the show notes and check it out. Uh, As always... We want you to uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate it on your podcast app of choice, and share it on your social media feeds. Uh, We're still looking to grow the show, as always. And if you want to reach out to us, uh, hit us up on Twitter. We are at MagHuge. That's M-A-G-H-U-G-E. That's also how you spell our website, MagHuge.com. And that's that's a site that's got all the old episodes of the show and links to contact us by other means, including our Facebook, our Instagram, and our email, which is MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. All right, everybody, don't call it a comeback. We really have been here for years. Let's kick it. Booyah, it's the Magnificent the Huge podcast. All right, y'all, let's dance. Right? Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand a freaking word that just came out of your mouths. That's okay, you don't have to. Hey, everybody, it's the podcast. My name is Brian. Over there is... Eric. Hi. Oh, what are you doing? He was pointing <laughs> at me, you dink. <laughs> That's Eric and Chris. Yeah, Gentlemen, I was pointing at well, at Eric. Start I Start your podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, they're started already. <laughs> How are we all doing today? Uh, been better. Very good. Been Very better. good. It cooled off here in Portland. It's like not blazingly hot anymore. Well, yeah, but in California, on fire though. Like everything just Fuck sort of them. California's on Am fire California? every year at this no. point. <laughs> it's just it's just fire season, yeah. at, you know, in California. That's that's what happens yeah. now, right? Pretty much. But but whatever. actually, that reminds me. I I kind of want. I, I I suggested on our Slack that maybe there's room for a new segment here, uh, around how Governor Abbott wants you dead. Grandma, Grandpa, Greg Abbott wants you dead. Grandma. Grandpa, Greg Abbott wants you dead. He reopened Texas. Hey, what went through his head? I'm worried about Greg Abbott. If your back was here, he'd stab it. He doesn't seem to care about your old gray hair. I'm worried because Greg Abbott wants you dead. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the governor been... of Texas is just a, he's a douchebag. That's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah. I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. He's so gonna, the Texas, I, I what was he, it, the Texas Education Board basically hmm. sent out a thing saying, hey, not only are we not going to let you know if we have any COVID cases in the schools, you don't have to tell us if your kid is sick, just send them to the school, we don't care. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be the new policy. Yeah, it's That terrible. will not backfire. It's Well, it's like <laughs> when this all started last year, they were really just gung-ho about throwing old people under the bus. And now they just want to throw kids under the bus. It's like they're doing everything except what's needed to be done to combat COVID. They've they've chosen sides in the war on COVID. They are siding with the virus. It's it's okay. There there are sides. Uh, (laughs) I think (laughs) the Republicans need to learn, though, the whole reason for denying that that, uh, uh, the virus is uh, bad and, and, you know, is because Trump wasn't doing anything to fight it. He's gone now. Right. We have a, you know, someone else is, you know, in charge. You don't need to pretend like it's not there. You can now pretend it's there and very, very deadly. And why isn't Joe Biden doing more? Uh, but you can't right, say no. that it's not important it's, anymore. That was the only reason anyone was fucking up. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's backwards logic. I think they've built their entire ideology on quicksand and they just can't admit that it's not going to work and so they're just digging the hole deeper rather than digging themselves out it's just insane mm. like i think marjorie so, taylor green spoke in alabama and talked about how right. they got the lowest vaccination rate in the country and apparently that elicited cheers yeah, from the crowd and, so, and she encouraged people to shoot yeah. anybody who comes to their house asking them to get vaccinated yeah so you know thanks congress woman yeah but i mean you know if you don't if you you get all your uh congressional uh things stripped from you and you don't have any real duties i guess you just go around and (laughs) fucking gas bag (laughs) there it is i i was at the grocery store the cover of usa today the entire above the fold is just a map of the u.s and various shades of red for covid levels and the headline we are failing each other yeah. It didn't have to be this way. That's USA Today, well, like controversial, opinionated, biased USA yeah. Today. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fun when you like flip through the news headlines and the top of the New York Times is basically your city, my city, Austin, Texas, at the top of the fucking ticker talking about how fucked it up it all is because we're in stage five now. But everybody's out and about tax-free weekend doing their school supplies and stuff and there's just people everywhere it's like what in the hell are you doing it's like this thing is not over at all but hospital beds are filled up if a woman gets a heart attack like good luck finding a bed you know if a guy gets you know some sort of like scabies breakout that's uh gonna kill him good luck finding a bed i mean it's just so don't get sick so Let's talk about how we're how we're killing the time during the end times in the pandemic in a segment we like to call the fresh shit. <laughs> this shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is fresh. Like I was getting a word in edgewise anyway. I don't give a fuck. Go away. Yeah, let's do Uh-oh. it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, since Eric didn't get a word in edgewise, Eric, you got any fresh shit? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I did finally watch The Suicide Squad. <laughs> This shit is spoiled. What do you mean? Spoilers. Oh, oh, oh. Spoiled me. 
and it is probably the best film I've seen in a couple of years. I, really? I, I was poo-pooing it. I was I did not want to like this film. In fact, when I saw it came on HBO, I was like, oh, fuck it. I guess I have to. And it was great. It was perfect. Yes. It just moved. And, you, it, it, and you're, you're talking the new one, the James Gunn uh, yeah. sequel. To yeah, Suicide the one yeah. That, that includes uh, a definite article before yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't make that mistake. <laughs> I'm looking for the Suicide Squad. Not, yeah, not a Suicide Squad. Or uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I loved it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I I I'm trying to get my wife to watch it. She will not watch these movies, and I'm just like, no, no, yeah. no. You don't understand. This is different. She this she is won't like, like it. she won't. This like is it. like a psychotic, crazy. You know, just it's this, it's a two hundred million dollar trauma film. Yeah, yes. what the Suicide yes, Squad exactly. is exactly. Exactly. This is the, the review that I read is an author, a uh, guy named Chuck Wendig, who's really good. He does a lot of fun uh, sci-fi novels. He, he got famously fired from doing uh, Star Wars novelizations uh, because he <laughs> sent out some tweet that they didn't like. And so, yeah. But he said that uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is like uh, somebody took Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy but made it using a van load of hard drugs. And that's pretty much what you get. <laughs> Which is this, true. Th- this is a movie that could only happen now at the point we're at with superhero saturation, right? You had to have Deadpool before you had this movie. You right. had to have Guardians of the Galaxy before this movie. You had to have Logan before this movie. This is a violent, R-rated, equal opportunity, men and women nudity language all over the place just balls out i think actually the men movie. went out on the nudity on this one because i saw yeah. dicks i didn't see any any boobies yeah there were boobies for a split second in the in the strip club and when they go through the back room yeah. oh wow but- way to freeze frame through that perv <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here, i didn't i was in the theater dude <laughs> but i gotta i gotta tell you i was sort of i was tepid to this one uh i wanted to like it more it didn't blow me away and I think it's because, like you say, we've had stuff like Deadpool. We've had two Deadpool movies. Uh, we've had two seasons of The Boys. So we've had a lot of this sort of thing. And to me, it was just uh, done better in those iterations. James Gunn gives it a really good college try, but I think it just it's too little too late now. And so it just sort of fell flat for me. I don't know what I, I guess I wasn't looking at it in terms of uh, yay violence or you know or as awesome as I thought that whole starfish thing was. I I liked it because there wasn't anything. Like, okay, the first Suicide Squad just had so much unnecessary shit on it, yeah. right? It just yeah. it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. caked in 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 just just nonsense fry batter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, th- this one, it's like it's almost the exact same story, but streamlined and and actually maybe a little more um no 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 it's streamlined even the the whole joker subplot from the first one is in Mm -hmm. this second one but it takes five minutes and she shoots the guy in the heart it's it's great uh yeah for me it was just i had i was i was annoyed by the fact that they use so much gore as a punchline that got really tiresome to me uh, it just seems like there's so much more you could explore with this, but he just sort of went for the throw everything against the wall and see what yeah. splatters. Uh, so oh, I, I, like, eh. I had so much fun with this. 
was, yeah. I mean, that that he could just, you know, basically get a whole bunch of big bigger names to show up. It's like, look, you just have to show up for two days, and then we're going to rip your face off. Yeah. It's fine. You're going to be I dead. Think Josh Brolin it's, it's was good. one of the guards. Maybe was he? I think I. I think Pom Clementef was one of the dancers and she didn't have a yeah. line, but <laughs> so, which, I mean, yeah, which is funny because we were watching it. My wife sort of half watched it because she didn't like it at all, but she's like, it's throwing me off with all of these MCU people in this DC movie. She's <laughs> like, it's just, it's just weird. And I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. my bearings are all shifted and I can't figure out what's going on because you get Idris Elba, obviously, but then you get Pom Clementef. It's a James Gunn movie. Uh, just blah, blah, blah. So it's just, yeah. Very, very strange, as, very deranged. As far as I know, the only one of the characters who wasn't actually a comic book character was the Nathan Fillion character, which was created by James Gunn TDK. just to put Nathan Fillion in that. Yeah. Well, no, that there was there was a different. Um, there, he's he's he is based on another character. They just changed his name. Yeah. Okay. Which okay. I but, but that, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't think the violence was supposed to be a punchline. I thought the violence was more, you know, okay, we're doing violence. I, I guess yeah. I didn't see it as a, as a punchline yeah. in and of itself. See, to me, it was just, they, they well, when they did the King Shark stuff, it was always played off as a laugh, and it was just yeah. sort of like, okay, ho-hum. But, like you said, compared but to that's the- that's the same laugh in the Harley Quinn cartoon, though, right? Like, that's a super violent cartoon, and it is played for last, especially with yeah. King Shark, and it works in both contexts. Well, in my for opinion. me, it works in the Harley Quinn cartoon because King Shark is also very uh, eloquent and intelligent, and sort of <laughs> works through his issues. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I his voice by That's Ron kind of Funchess, up. and yeah. is voiced by Ron Funchess, like one of the nicest guys in stand-up, <laughs> yeah. and he just sounds like that. It's yeah. great. So it's it, it works for me in the cartoon, but here it was sort of just Stallone dumbing it up. Uh, but I will say I that given that, like, was, that they made him that dumb. Well, I actually thought that was a fun comment on uh, what's his name doing. I am Groot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! I didn't even thought of that. Yeah. That's a Vin Diesel riff. Yeah. It's, oh geez. It's yeah. There's a lot of layers. <laughs> of this, and I'll, I'll give. I mean, it's definitely an improvement over the Airs one from 2016 because that's a movie that's just that's dumb. And it doesn't know it's dumb. And that's what's so irritating about it. This one, it's James Gunn going, yeah, this is just a ludicrous idea. And we're just going to go for broke. And he's, yeah. wink, you know, winking, winking. He gets the joke. And so it sort of all plays into it. But to me, it was just, it was so much going on. And it's just a little too late. If this had happened like three or four years ago, I just, this would have been the greatest superhero movie ever made. But now it's. <laughs> yeah. So. I, yeah, I loved it. it. It lived up to the hype of. James Gunn has been looking up the like the lamest characters in the DC canon possible and is well, going to make a big dumb movie about yeah. Starro the the conqueror, you know. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> love that his giant like, starfish the, con- the whole reason you. for this existence was his pitch to DC was I want to use the like the dumbest lower tier secondary characters that we can find and build a movie around them. <laughs> yeah so let's, let's and do that's that. actually the thesis of it is like the lowest among us if the lowest among us are useful then you know that's good news for everybody right yeah like they 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 point that out explicitly i i was super entertained probably the most fun i've had at the movies this year loved it i mean i didn't not like it but i didn't like it like it i mean i was just sort of just unfazed by the whole thing i'm like wow this is what 185 million dollars get you i guess good luck making that back in covid times 
So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I, I liked some of the improvements, like the fact that they didn't make Harley Quinn's uh, like sexual hotness a main focus of her character. She didn't have to wear those skimpy clothes and the whole thing. Because that's the other thing with the first Suicide Squad is like all the women characters wear these like just super stupid skimpy outfits whereas all the dudes are wearing like overcoats and stuff and it's very overly sexualized to the point where it's distracting but in this one it's sort of like here you just wear regular clothes and no one's going to give a shit in this one that's john cena yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i like but i did like the fact that because it's so bloody and gory through the whole thing and then you get to the whole scene with harley quinn breaking out of the prison but it becomes this like in her mind day glow fantasy with flowers animated and whatnot so in place of blood spurting everywhere you just get like these explosions of like pretty flowers all over the place animated i thought that was a very inventive way to get through what would be otherwise just a most hyper violent scene uh so it was stuff like that that gun did that i thought was interesting and fun but i just wish that it wasn't such a stock story you know drop him into the pseudo Hispanic country with the dictator, blah blah blah. I mean, it's like they did that in the Losers, for Christ's sake. So it's just... Malto Cortez, a country yeah. that always turns up in DC comics, because that's the one from the first, <laughs> the Burton Batman, right? Where uh, Vicky Vale's taking. She mentions pictures, that right? she did work there, yeah, but they they're yeah. always talking that's about the Malto Cortez, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Corto Maltese, yeah. I so. was trying to remember where I'd heard of, heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, so, I mean, it was enjoyable. It was better than Jungle Cruise. I will definitely grant you that. Uh, and I it's not the worst you. superhero. I grant you. But, I grant you. I grant but you. <laughs> but I'm going to be in the Eric. minority here and just be the one that didn't love it. We stomped all over Eric again. <laughs> Other thoughts, Eric? He brought up yeah. Super Squad no. Squad. So, <laughs> I watched that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I did, I, did I you like? I don't know. Did you oh. like the kaiju line? Yeah, like dude, totally. Like the, totally. <laughs> the, dude, the dude in the control room. Are yeah. you freaking kidding me? We got a fucking kaiju up in this bitch. I like when they were planning to break out Harley Quinn, and she just shows up like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah. we we're gonna break you out. We had a whole plan. It was a really good plan." I, I yeah. like that they 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 <laughs> undercut. That, yeah. That's the thing. They took a lot of yeah. the expected moments and they undercut them. That's, well, that's like, what I like. Well, like that. And when they go to, to rescue Flag from the, the village, like the jungle outpost, and they're just yeah. killing everybody left and right. And it's a total, <laughs> like, this is a total riff on Predator. Uh, and then you get there and he's like, oh, no, uh, we're friendlies. And they're like, oh, shit, we've just killed everybody. Whoops. <laughs> so yeah. it's got moments, but it didn't wow me. I'm sad to say. Okay. So what else did you watch? (laughs) No, what else did you watch? What else did you do? Uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything now. uh, Really? Yeah. I mean, that's good. All right. You know, a movie. I mean, like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) No podcasts about uh, cross-dressing serial killers? Uh, Anything Uh, like No, no. Still watching the, uh, watching, listening to the the one on dictators. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Watching through right my on. ears. Okay. I, I've, I've right. come to the conclusion we're the only podcast worth listening to. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Chris, what what have you brought other than Suicide Squad? Uh that was the big one. But I did end up watching a documentary from like 2010 about 
a tribe called Quest that was fairly interesting. It's called Watch okay. Watch Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest, uh, directed by Michael Rappaport, which was kind of unusual. But we know him from, like, uh, like uh, he was the goofy... Always the annoying New York guy. Yeah, he's the goofy friend of Christian Slater in True Romance. He was in Do the Right Thing. He's like the... If you want someone who's sort of street and hip hop, but you want him to be white, you get Michael Rappaport. That's kind of the angle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just basically chronicled their uh, their rise and then sort of splintering apart, uh, and then their their crew kind of dealing with hitting it big so young and kind of freaking out over the superstardom. But then also all of the sort of influence that they had over hip hop in general. Uh, which they don't get a lot of credit for sometimes, uh, which is just weird. But they were like real big in with like De La Soul and Jungle Brothers and blah, blah, blah. So it's just this huge like core in the early 90s that just exploded rap into the next 10, 15 years. Uh, and then it just suddenly poof, went away. But hmm. I just, I watched because I've been listening to just a shit ton of Tribe Called Quest lately for whatever reason. I can't get it out of my head. So I'll literally just sit here working uh during the day and just like hum along to like i lost my wallet in el segundo lost my wallet in el segundo lost my wallet in el segundo. so can i kick it yes i can blah 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 but if you like uh tribe called quest check it out it's fun Lots all of right clips hmm. so <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but it's no suicide to, oh my god oh my god <laughs> yeah all right so I've got a few things. First of all, I did go see Jungle Cruise, and Chris, mm-hmm. so you you had talked about it last week and said you did not care for it. Was it was terrible. I'm surprised you went to it. I I was entertained. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like the first, I'd say two thirds of it is a better movie than than the ending. Like it does fall apart in the final act. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, you get the big um, reveal, and you're like. That's so left. Like they just needed to throw something in there to give you a whammy, and it's like that's just yeah. And that's fucking. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, But I gotta say, it's basically Emily Blunt and The Rock or Dwayne Johnson having a charisma contest for two hours, right? Like they're just trying to be the more charismatic person on screen at all times, and it pops. It's fun. Emily Blunt does some great work. Um, like even in her first big scene where she's, she's escaping this library that she's stealing something from and she's swinging from ladders like Buster Keaton and, and, and stuff like that. It's, I, I, I was entertained. I think that you're right. The CG effects weren't that great. It probably helped that I saw it in a theater instead of on a TV. I have a feeling those things would have been even worse on a TV. But it's just, you know, when Um, you're spending that kind of change for a tentpole action adventure and it looks cheap i mean it's some somebody mm-hmm. fucked up somewhere. no that's true so it's just yeah very distracting but but you know. i i had a good old time you know it was a it was a big dumb summer popcorn movie and you know that's kind of lacking this year i mean what have we got to look forward to is like top gun and ghostbusters this ugh, oh, boy dune. dune don't forget dune. dune dune okay yeah but geez jeez. But it, um, but Jungle Cruise is just yeah. Uh, I found it just sort of it, it, it didn't leave a mark. I'll forget it in another week, uh, and it won't matter. 
if you want to watch something fun that'll last, the Jumanji thing with with Jack Black and The Rock and whatnot, much See, better. I put I put Jungle Cruise right up there with that Jumanji. It's at about <sighs> that level for me, which is it's fun, it's forgettable, it's fluff. There, okay, there was one thing. So when they're doing the backstory of the conquistadores and I'm listening to the music, I'm like, this is a real song. I know. And I realized it was an orchestration of nothing else matters by Metallica Mm -hmm. being used as the soundtrack in Jungle Cruise. And so then I go to Apple Music and I look it up and God damn, it's there. It's credited. Yep. This is nothing else matters. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, money well spent. But, you know, if you're going to make a movie about a theme park ride, you might as well. Use some Metallica. Fuck it. Well, it's a great way to did. make your make you feel old, though, because it's really anyone else listening to that, like in that Target age, it's just old music. <laughs> All of it's yeah. old music. That's fine. Yeah. It's like when they play uh, uh, La Vie en Rose in Wonder Woman during World War One, but that's a song <laughs> that's from you know after yeah. World War Two. Ah, fuck it. Old is old. You know. Yeah. Or like when they use uh, Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad movies, and you don't own me. Is like her theme song. It's yeah. just kind of okay. We get it. <laughs> well, that's just because they so, need to take the feminism and punch you in the face with it. That's a little that's, different. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, couple shows I've started watching. Uh, only a couple episodes into each of them, uh, but promising so far. So, Miracle Workers is back. And it turns out Miracle Workers is an anthology series because every season is completely different and all of the same actors are playing totally different characters in a totally different setting. Is that so the show about season, teachers that help uh, blind deaf girls? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, this is the thing on TNT with Steve Buscemi and Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, um, yeah. The, yeah it's, the it's, first season, yeah. Steve Buscemi was God. Yeah. And and the second season, they were in medieval times, and Steve Buscemi was the local shit shoveler. Uh, and this season, they're doing the Oregon Trail. And so the gag is that Daniel Radcliffe is the town preacher, and Steve Buscemi is an outlaw who is leading this doomed town to Oregon. And they immediately start with, like, a pandemic joke about um, cholera and staying six feet apart. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a silly show, but it's written by the guy that did Man Seeking Woman, and, uh, I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah. Eh. But it's, it's then, plural. Miracle Workers, they drop the article. Yeah. There's a lot of article f- shenanigans this week, I, apparently. Yeah. Sure. The Miracle Workers the will be coming workers. to a theater near you soon <laughs> yeah. with much more violence. <laughs> and John Cena. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the other one that I've, I've only watched one episode of it so far, but it's on HBO Max right now. And I guess it came out a few years ago in its home country. It's a spinoff of what we do in the shadows called Wellington Paranormal. Hmm. Have you seen this? No. I've seen the, so, the thing roll up, but I haven't checked anything on it. It's it's like uh, it's like cops, okay? It's like a take on cops, and it's kind of shot with that The Office style or whatever, you know. Very, and it's just these low key schlubs that are working in Wellington, in this town where all this paranormal shit's going down, and so they have, you know, in this one they deal with like a demon that's possessing 
you know, from person to person or, or from animal to animal. And they're, you know, they're just kind of going about their day to day, dealing with the paranormal, you know, um, and entertaining. They all have that very charming, uh, New Zealand accent while they're doing Oh it? yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. Give it a spin. See if you like it. Wellington paranormal. Well, cool. If you, oh, I, I, I watch, I, I got one. I remembered I watched, um, I guess behind the music was brought back to uh, oh, Paramount plus. Right. And they, they, uh, they did LL Cool J, but the thing is they, they did LL Cool J like in maybe 2003 or four. And then they revised it in 2013. So this is more like behind the behind the behind the music with LL Cool J because he's watching the old behind the music and commenting on the guy. What? From yeah, he's like, yeah, I can't say too much to that kid. He knows what he's doing, and it's like, why? Why? So we're kind of watching the original behind the music, but with commentary. LL Cool J reacts to LL Cool J behind the music until we get to the stuff that happened since the last behind the music. And then it's him again. And it's funny, actually, you know, there's always the talking heads talking about, yeah, well, LL was really talented. You know, those those things. One of them's Eminem. And he's talking about how awesome LL Cool J is. It's it's weird. (laughs) He's been around forever. But, you know, all I know is that the ladies love Cool James. That's all you need to know. And and it was all a very fake it till you make it kind of uh, situation. Um, like, did they do the phase where he would like roll up the one pant leg when he would perform on stage? Like, I, I remember don't that. know that that was actually a talking point. Okay. Uh, yeah, but the sticking point I had watching this with uh, my wife was, uh, I I said, okay, it's unfair that f- to to think that a kid who is like in his 20s and a millionaire and a world famous rapper is not going to cheat on his girlfriend right is his his baby mama and i'm like they they make it sound like he had a a a um a failing of character fuck you make anyone mid 20s and a millionaire and world famous with you know women like 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 screaming for him come on how do you how do you, how are you going to enjoy your success if you don't partake in that? I'm sorry. At that point, yeah. I got I got to give you the mulligan. You mean if you named yourself Ladies Love Cool James, you might be a player? Yeah, yeah. seriously. Huh. Hey, all all <laughs> I can tell is that he he gave you 100% every day and then he also told you that he needed a round the way girl. And I don't <laughs> think you can be confused when something like that happens. No. He he yeah. told you it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, he's ba- he's bad, and his his uh, mother told him to knock you out. So yeah. you know, at, at this point, can we can we finally call it a comeback, please? No, um, no, um, he's been here for years. No. Yeah. Okay, had suckers in tears. <laughs> wow, rain down like a monsoon. Listen, listen to the bass goes boom. Yeah. Um, the wow, that's a great transition into our main topic. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's talk about this week's topic yeah. here. So I had started out drawing, drawing everybody's attention to the wrong sample. I want to talk about sampling and looping and the sounds of the late 80s and early 90s here. And, and really, I want to focus in on a specific loop. And I thought 
I thought it was this one. That was the Amen Break by the uh, from Amen Brother by the Winstons, which is supposedly the most sampled yeah. drop in all of music. But the reason for that is that it's basically being chopped to bits uh, for drum and bass, and it's basically the kick and the snare sound that they use for like all the jungle music and drum although, and bass. Although Straight Outta Compton uses it to great effect, and that's the one that I always... That's fair. Straight Outta Compton, crazy motherfucker name. Because like I read the list, I, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what any of the rest of this shit is. Four thousand <laughs> songs use this. What are they? I don't get it. Yeah, and it's it's kind of. I mean, okay. And shout out to whosample.com because boy, have they got a database. Um, but I had thought that that was the loop, but then I realized actually the loop that I was thinking of is this one, which is Funk, Funky Drummer from James Brown. Now. This loop is the sound of the late 80s and early 90s, yeah. as, far as, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we've, you know, we do these music shows, and those seem to get the most listens of all the shows in the, on the podcast. And I'm like, what's a good in for a music show? And I'm like, let's do a show about songs derived from Funky Drummer by James Brown. The ubiquitous Funky Drummer, because it's everywhere. But It is Everywhere. I, I feel bad for the guy that actually came up with the riff, Clyde Subblefield, who was James Brown's drummer at the time. And the, the, these are basically just massive like recording sessions where they would just riff and, and whatnot. And he doesn't he didn't get any credit for it because James Brown basically just paid him like per session. And he mm. and these guys didn't get any credit on any of the songs. James Brown took all the credit and took all the cash. And so this drum riff goes off into sample heaven and gets into all of these other songs. And that poor guy did not see a dime. <laughs> so I, one of the things I want to kind of talk about here is how the, the use of this loop gets lazier and lazier as time goes on. So if you go to like 1986, right. And, and James Brown records are just getting sampled in a lot of early, you know, hip hop from the mid eighties here. So, uh, like, the track I'll call out is uh, Fastest Man Alive by Grandmaster Flash, right? Grandmaster Flash was all about, you know, turntable skills and DJing skills and figuring out how to do loops and stuff. But, you know, he's cutting it up in ways that he doesn't actually just play it over and over, right? He's actually using the turntable in interesting ways. Um, but you find you find this and other James Brown samples just sprinkled all throughout a bunch of early hip hop in the mid '80s. It's yeah, '86 is good for sort of a jump off year because that's also when Boogie Down Productions came out with South Bronx, uses the drummer when they just do the chorus. Like, South, South Bronx, Bronx, South South Bronx, South Bronx, South South Bronx, South Bronx. <laughs> Which was like a big like diss track that was a response to another one called The Bridge from a uh, a rapper in uh, Brooklyn. And that was like a whole other subset of the hip-hop evolution. Uh, but that's their deal. And every time they get to the chorus, like you, that riff comes in with the drums. And it kind of cements it 
as this sort of uh, solid backbeat that will crop up again and again and again. But like you say, just yeah, it does get lazy because it just I think it becomes automatically, oh, this is a hip hop song. Let's do the funky drummer. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I, I I suspect most of the people who sampled Funky Drummer, myself included, had no idea that they were sampling Funky Drummer and were sampling somebody else who <laughs> <Probably>. sampled Funky Drummer. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, who who's to say? But it's, you know, it's a very distinctive, like, I don't even know how long it is because I always hear it chopped up. Yeah. But it's a fairly... I mean, it's... Really, there's just one measure that you need and then you just loop it over because if you, if you let it play longer, you get James Brown kind of you know grunting and and shouting over yeah. it and it's you know yeah um so like another good early hip-hop record and this is actually 87 that i that i found researching this was um derek <laughs> drop the beat yo we make like this mic over here like over here like over here like over here, like over here. <laughs> all right thanks a lot hit it hit it hit it hit it hit it and again, this is uh, this is more creative DJing where they're not just letting it play and looping it; they're actually cutting it up and trying to get something interesting out of it. I don't think I know that one. Yeah, uh, well, you'll hear it by the time the show is edited. <laughs> well, Eric, did you have any earlier uses of this thing you wanted to call out? No. Um, yeah, because because like in high school, I was listening to you know punker bands where it was just like three people who didn't know how to play their instruments uh yeah. so like sampling wasn't a part of it the one sample sample and i didn't know they had names so uh i i yeah i, I the one sample that i am interested in uh, <laughs> if you Isn't know it this <laughs> it's the one it's the yeah it's the one from the 90s that was in every song it feels like in the early 90s and it goes like this ta ting ting ta ting tong ting ta ting tong ting ting ta ting tong ting ta ting tong it's like this it's it's in every hip hop rap song i remember and just i would make fun of it all the time but you know i wouldn't be like oh wow a sample yeah again i think that stems into some ll cool j that's like rock the bells i think that comes from so yeah that was like a big big to do and it's it's right before and <laughs> well, I didn't figure out if that's if that's a sample loop or if that's like a a, a drum machine at the time. It's probably a sample loop. Oh, yeah, who knows? But if <laughs> but if I could jump around on you, Brian, because uh, I did want sure, to call sure. out because you keep talking about how the, like these DJs were very creative with the way they cut up the the breakbeat and kind of mixed it around. Uh, but one of the the prime examples of using this funky drummer beat in a a song was when Sinead O'Connor used it on I Am Stretched on Your Grave and the whole song is literally just the funky drummer break over and over and over as she sort of half sings this really melancholic song about you know prostrating herself in front of a grave blah 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 goes on for like three or four minutes before like his violins come in at the end and gives it a little Celtic kick and it's like yeah I, no, I it's, just, it's very like very ingrained because like 1990-91 I listened to that album a lot 
and yep. that was just stuck in my head because it's the second track and you saw like, get in this first track which is very screechy feels so different and then it just drops you into this like breakbeat and then she just sings this like weird song <laughs> it's like full, what? full disclosure that is the version of funky drummer that i stole because it was just so clean and open <laughs> yeah, wide exactly. at the beginning of the Sinead o'connor track yeah. and, and perfectly you, you can't not, so um yeah, yeah i th- but that is that is one of the later like that's from 1990 and that's the that's the point i'm trying to make is like you've got these early hip-hop artists like working their asses off on the on the turntable and by 1990 you've got Sinead O'Connor who's you know you don't get a lot wider than that and it's just a song that is just that loop (laughs) you know she's singing over the top of it with the occasional bass note yeah well 1990 is a weird year because it's also sort of when that breakbeat sort of jumped over from hip-hop into wider pop music yeah I want to come back to that if we can because I want to I want to talk about some better examples first yeah um I mean, you know, it shows up all over the place starting in 87 and some of the more commercial hip hop, you know, Fat Boys used it in Crushin', for example. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's there, but Public Enemy, this became one of the staple loops in the giant wall of sound that Public Enemy was putting out. I'm going to start with Bring the Noise in 87 is is a good example of it. But it's, you know, they had that bomb squad sound that they were going for in, in Public Enemy. And this was definitely a part of that that overall pastiche whenever they just kind of needed a groove. Never batted it back because a brother is mad at him. Chuck D definitely likes to use the loops, but then he throws in that standard public enemy screechy thing to punctuate the, right. the backbeat. It's like if you listen to Bring the Noise and Fight the Power, it's like it, it almost sounds the same to me. Just the, the rap is different, the lyric is different. But that's public, that's just public enemy. That's just their loop. You could literally do any song and it all sounds the same. Because it's just, fight the power yeah. uses that that funky drummer loop. Exactly. Well, how how often does that do the right thing, Eric? Do you remember? Which fight the power? The song, uh, it's like all over the place. Every time Radio Raheem shows up on the screen, it's yeah. playing. Because it just seems, yeah. in, in, in recollection, it seems like it's just literally like the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it, the, it was, yeah, it's like the one song other than you know whatever jazz spike lee's dad recorded for like the you know the sex scene but yeah otherwise yeah (laughs) i i always think it's funny in public enemy it's like okay there's the chuck d songs which are the okay we're pissed off and then there's the flavor flav songs which are okay now we can have some fun yeah it's like they're funny Mm -hmm. but then it's like oh now we gotta go yell at people again (laughs) <laughs> well yeah and never the twain <laughs> shall meet yeah it's a very yeah. schizophrenic schizophrenic band <laughs> and i don't know yeah. what what professor griff's job was other than like wearing berets i i really don't yeah well yeah he had to make sure that the the army and back the, the panthers or whatever on stage marched in time right that was yeah. their their show so he's like a hype man. man yeah yeah a, a very militant hype man 
So uh, he's and, yeah, he's the bummer hype man who's like, no, this shit is serious. <laughs> yeah, he's <really>. the anti-Semitic <laughs> uh, uh, hype man with a beret uh, who doesn't yeah. seem to rap, but says loaded shit if it's the '90s. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fight, fight the power. Yeah. Uh, so we get into about '88, and this is where this loop really starts to hit the mainstream. And I think we're going to have to point a finger at DJ Jazzy Jeff, who uses it in, like, goddamn everything. So that, that big hit, um, you know, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper... Uh, has this loop all over it. This is also the year when, like, yeah, fuck the police. So NWA uh, brings it out, and it it it's found on a few tracks on on straight out of Compton. We also got you also got to think eighty eight's another watershed year because you also have like Run DMC using it for like a Run's house. Yep, and that's like that's that might be one of the actual earliest times that I heard the funky drummer beat and didn't even know what I was listening to. But you just get like you basically just start going Run's house, Run's house, Run's house, and that's literally all you could think of when you hear the song. Was this a thing that Rick Rubin just really liked, and so he kept using it on Could different be. projects? Or is it a kind of thing where everybody got it in the mail and said, oh, this is what we're well, going to use? Basically, yeah, that's a good the question. deal was, you're trying, when you're doing a sample loop, what you're trying to find is a clean drum section where there's no other instruments, right? So the thing is that if there's instruments, now you're kind of trapped in the key of that sample loop. But if you can find just drums, yeah. you're golden. So that's why the Amen break and the Funky Drummer break are so valuable at this point. They're the same basic groove, which is basically the groove of everything in the early 90s. And this is just pure, wide-open drums for one measure. Right? Yeah. The rest of it has James Brown hooting and hollering over it. But if you just isolate that one measure, you've got yourself a funky beat. You know? Kind of like in this song. I'll tell you what, we ain't going out like that. You think this is a love song? Wrong. The NKOTB is too strong. Or this song. Leaving her breathless, that's the sweat poured on. The spot that I was in was so soft and warm. This was far from a story you will find in a book. Hot off the platter, and boy, can she cook. Roast in my body, you left a stain in my brain. And all I kept saying to myself was. Or even this song. I'm fucking wife, cause the bitch is a big hoe. I'm fucking sister, I'm fucking cat. I will fuck your mom, but the bitch is too fat. When I'm in your neighborhood, you better dig a moat, cause I'm coming to slick. Your motherfucking rope. Blood is dripping, I'm not slipping. Bitches, panties is what I'm 
deeper than the motherfucking dirt bike. Never met a piece of pussy that I didn't like. Like to eat it, like to suck it, take a shit in a bucket, straight out of low cash. That was fun. That was good. Oh my god, that's so neat. I just called music down from the heaven, the ether. So you get. Go ahead. Did you catch that that one was from CG4? <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> you hey, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. At least it's, we're not talking about the Apache break now. I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax, too. What's that? <laughs> you just heard it. That was it right there. Yeah. Oh! Um, cool. But yeah, it's, it's just funny how it sort of becomes that staple of the hip-hop and the rap. Uh, but it's sort of just... As rap becomes more mainstream and gets out of the the urban areas and into the suburbs where the white kids are listening to it, then it seems like it just explodes. So like 1990, it's just everywhere. Well, let's let's talk about 1989 where we're pretty explicit about it. Pop will eat itself. Not now, James. We're busy, which is just <laughs> pop will eat itself. A bunch of British, you know, guys who don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sampling stuff <laughs> and a whole song about James Brown loops, basically. I love Papa Lee. I'm gonna do my thing, man. Not now, James. We're busy. (laughs) (laughs) Moving and grooving? But it's just so weird that you then you get like Sinead O'Connor, but then like George Michael has a huge hit with Freedom. Yeah. And that's where it's just pop, right? Yeah. Now we're just now we're in full on pop. Well, no, that, but then you also, 90. and that same year, you also get Madonna doing "Justify My Love" that also uses it. So now what? Wanting, needing, waiting for you to justify my love. So it's like it's totally just moved outside the realm of hip hop. Right where it originated and is now being used in just general pop music. It's so weird that it just split so radically. And this is the point where even even the remix of this song calls out how shit this is. But this is the point where it totally jumps the shark because Candy Flip does a cover of the Beatles' Strawberry Fields Forever, oh, and it's just Strawberry Fields Forever sung <laughs> over this sample. Group. I totally and this forgot about point. that. Oh, yeah. This I is, could have gone the rest of my point. days. Oh, God. <laughs> nope. Nope. Here's a nice long clip of Candy Flip, people. Nothing to
<laughs> Let me take you there. <laughs> so this is where it's just, yeah, this is just lazy white people looping this thing to sound, you know, street. <laughs> oh, God. And I don't know what else to say about this loop. I just thought it was a fun end to put a bunch of music clips in a podcast. Well, I mean, it's like early 90s is kind of seems where the bulk of it is. Because then, like, we were talking about LL Cool J, uh, Mama Said Knock You Out, uses it throughout pretty much the whole thing. Oh, and, and makes it awesome again, yeah. right? Like, that's where it's good. Don't call it a comeback. It's it's just a crazy ass song, but then when it shows up in the end credits to the action comedy The Hard Way with Michael J. Fox mm. and mm-hmm. uh, what's his face James Woods James Woods yeah because and LL is in that as one of the cops and so I just I distinctly remember like when the credits roll and it's Mama said knock you out <laughs> like oh come on really <laughs> Michael J. Fox is gonna knock you out yeah. Yeah, such a dumb, <laughs> dumb movie. If if you've ever seen Fear of a Black Hat, they do a version of it. Grandma's <laughs> oh yes, it's true. That yeah. is yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. It ain't murder, it ain't homicide. But when you fuck with me, it's just suicide. Cause my foot goes in that posterior. You taste it in your mouth's interior. Cause this is the way I play. Sucker punks, yeah. Get out of my way. I'm gonna kick your black ass. She's gonna kick your black. But it's definitely weird that uh, it's in so much, and even like newer songs. I think Ed Sheeran, I read, had has one that uses it. I mean, it's just like it won't die; it won't go away. You're gonna see it every every decade. I think from now well, until at eternity. this point, it's a signifier, right? At this point, it's just a hey, we want something that has a '90s sound. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out as the 90s nostalgia is is roaring back right now. Because, like, one of the ones I skipped earlier on is the most, like, unrevivable band is De La Soul. You mentioned them, right? But, yeah. like, th- this loop shows up in the magic number. Um, and good luck, everybody, with, with uh, bringing back stuff like Three Foot High and Rising. Or the Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique album, right? It's like just so unreleasable today because the lawyers are now actually requiring you to, you know, pay for these samples. Yeah. Well, I mean, but this, but there's also early '90s. Like I was talking about Tribe Called Quest earlier. I mean, you then you get into the realm where the the artists are having to pay X amount just in general for all of the samples to get clearance. And so it's suddenly it's a whole other ballgame. So it's like if you want to use this stuff, you got to pay for it. And so now your budgets right. for your albums get so much more inflated if you want to do that particular sound. It's just crazy. So, but this is a fundamental groove to a 90s nostalgia beat, right? So I'm wondering if people are just going to play it or, you know, put it in their drum machines or, or actually pay the, you know, pay the licensing fee for the James Brown sample. As we get into 90s nostalgia here, I'm, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. Well, I mean, I would wager that it's probably included in, like, uh, surely there's computer programs where you can buy backbeats, and it's just yeah, that's like true. a package deal. I mean, you're you're paying for, like, the general use, maybe? I don't know. Those definitely have Amen breaks in them. Uh, I haven't looked to see about Funky Drummer, but it's probably there. Yeah. But, again, 
Man, that drummer did not see a dime. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> he probably got paid for his day. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's just the whole yeah, idea. I'm, that... I'm sure being the drummer for yeah. James Brown had its perks at the time. Like, yeah. I don't feel too bad for the guy. But still, but, the yeah. fact that James Brown would do those sessions and then would just take all of the credit for everything. I mean, that's like, like if he went in and used uh, like the Wrecking Crew, the the back the the studio musicians in the the '60s, and then like just basically said, "No, that's all me." I mean, that's the same thing. Oh. Yeah. Really. James Brown said he played those drums? Well, he, he, he's the only credited uh, songwriter on any of the stuff, but basically they would go in and just like jazz music, they would just oh. riff until they came up with something, and then they would lay it down on a track. But James Brown took sole credit for all the writing. So. Oh. Well, because he did something I, with it, I right? guess. I mean, otherwise it was just something, yeah. I don't know. I think of like uh, James Earl Jones doing the voice for Darth Vader. <laughs> And they had asked him, do you feel weird that, you know, this, this huge iconic thing came out of like something you did uncredited. And he said, no, I I didn't think of it as an acting part. It was just, you know, a day job. Mm. I, I, I came in, I said some stuff and I went home, you know, (laughs) like what happened to it was, yeah, it's not like, yeah, but then it's like a decade's worth of, of music came out with James Earl Jones's voice as the fundamental basis of it (laughs) he might have felt differently about that day job i don't know (laughs) exactly you mean like you mean like all those toys yeah fair (laughs) you mean like the billion dollar toy industry Tulsa doom always takes a backseat to darth vader that's kind of sad so anyway final thoughts because i've kind of what's it to do i don't know what you're talking about jones is the bad guy from conan the barbarian he's named Tulsa doom that's his character name in that. Oh, oh. I, I thought you said, you know, from COVID. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, that too, yeah. From COVID? You know, from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is CNN. <laughs> this is CNN, a network of Turner Broadcasting System. See, that's cool. I just pulled that out of the <laughs> air. That's <laughs> he's awesome. He's got a lot of nuggets. What, yeah. what Eric is really saying is he's pulled it out of my afternoon because I'm editing this show. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so anyway. Brian, when you... Yeah, I'll find it. No, I'll it's find fine. it. It's fine. So, Brian, you anyway. were talking about when you uh you pieced that out of uh Sinead O'Connor, like how how many times did you try to use the funky drummer? I don't remember. I just know that I did. I it doesn't matter. Nobody's heard it. Nobody cares about my music. So whatever, it's gone. <laughs> That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Uh, but 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 yeah, I I had one other thing I was gonna po- call out, but I'm gonna call it out when I end the show. So any final thoughts from you guys? Uh, no, I really don't. Ting 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 tong ting Okay, don't call it come back. I've been here for years. So what I'll just say is. The thing is so damn ubiquitous that as I end the show, you're going to hear it as a fundamental part of the Powerpuff Girls theme, everybody. Oh, good uh, lord, so, I forgot. <laughs> it's everywhere. So, yeah, it's everywhere. Uh, if you've got some things you were like, hey, what about this song? Tell us about it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. We're at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. Or you can go to our website, which is also MagHuge, MagHuge.com, and there you'll find... All the old episodes of the show, which you could hear if you just subscribe to the podcast like any reasonable person should. Uh, please, you know, rate the podcast on your podcast app of choice and help us uh, get exposure. 
or uh, also on that website, you can find the other ways to find us. You can find our Facebook, you can find our Instagram, or you can find a link to email us. We are magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And we'll be sitting here uh, rocking out to the funky beats until next week with another show.